Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Living Light Outdoors on the mic with you on a Friday on a very snowy and cold Friday afternoon. Luckily, the snow stopped. They kind of had this predicted pretty well. It started early this morning. There was uh, two or two to three inches on the ground here at our house, and boy, it was pretty. Uh, if you if you like snow from inside looking out a window, it was pretty. Wouldn't have wanted to be out in it today. It's melting off pretty fast now, and I think we're going to be uh, headed back to summer by Sunday. <laughs> so we're uh, our weather's like a yo-yo here. So. Man, I've, I've got a message, and, and actually I'm going to have to give some credit to uh, to Pastor Larry. Uh, he is the pastor of the church where I've been filling in some here in Perkins, uh, there at Cimarron Worship Center. He preached a message the other day, and he used some of this text, and you know what, kind of when you got a preacher that's preaching a good word, I'm over here lost because I'm taking notes, thinking, Woof, boy, I could pull that off a whole other direction. And I actually did talk to Pastor Larry about this Wednesday, and and uh, we he he knows what I'm doing here. So anyway, I wanted to share this message. Now I don't even remember what he titled it, but I'm titling this: "How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it?" Now now he gave a backstory. I'll I'll do the same. I'm going to give you a backstory on on Jacob. Jacob's kind of the character that starts this thing off. Um, and we're you're you're going back into Genesis, okay? Back in the first book of the Bible. Um, there's several chapters that, that come through this, uh, Jacob, um, if you remember Isaac, Isaac was the son of Abraham. I remember the trip up the mountain where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Um, I, I think I preached a message there about them carrying the fire. I thought that was really powerful. Um, well now we find here where, where Isaac is married with, with children, with kids, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca had two children. The older was named Esau and the younger named Jacob. This is kind of where our story premise is going to come from. Esau was a man of the woods, very fond of hunting, and, and he was a rough, covered covered with hair kind of guy, big burly dude, you know. Jacob was a lot quieter, thoughtful, uh, more more inclined to be staying at home, dwelling in the tent, and caring for the flocks of his father, more of the shepherd style. Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob because Esau brought to his father that which he had killed in his, in his hunting uh, Rebecca liked Jacob better because she saw that he was wise and careful in his work. So among the people in these lands, in these in these days, when a man dies, his older son receives twice as much as the younger, uh, anything that his father may have owned. Now this is called a birthright, for it was it was his right, and the oldest son was the birthright receiver. So Esau, as the older, had a birthright to more of Isaac's possessions than Jacob. Didn't mean he was going to get them all, but he was going to get more, double. And besides this, there was the privilege of the promise of God that the family of Isaac should receive great blessings. So there would be a, a, a blessing given uh, to that older son as well. The story goes on over several years. Uh, Jacob winds up through deception, stealing his brother's birthright as well as his blessing as the firstborn son. This, of course, results in Esau growing very angry and threatening to kill his own brother. So, so Jacob flees. And, and, the, and we find the story of him working seven years for Rachel. Remember that story? Only to be deceived himself. And he winds up with Leah, uh, who works another seven years for Rachel. So it, he works 14 years to get two wives, 14 years to get the one he wanted to begin with. Now we're back here where we find Jacob coming home with all of his possessions. All of his herds and all of his flocks. He's he's become very wealthy. He's done well for himself, working for his uncle Laban, um, and that's whose daughters that he married. 
Um, and and he's 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 got all these servants. He's got all these kids. Only to hear that his brother is coming already to meet him with an army of 400 men. Well, obviously, Jacob's scared and sends out piles of gifts, promising, and then, and then gives a, begins to cry out to God. Now, he sends his wives and kids and possessions on ahead, uh, and he stays alone at this, at this encampment uh, that he can be with the Lord. And we pick this up. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 28, and we find the story where Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord. So starting verse 24 of Genesis 32, it says, So Jacob was left alone, and a man came and wrestled with him until daybreak. Now when the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint, and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. So he asked him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Whew. So we're getting a name change coming out of this deal. It's going to be really big down the road. All of that set this question up. <laughs> so all of that backstory, all of this, this stuff about Jacob and his deception, all of these things, it basically sets up the question that I want to ask you. How hard do you fight for the things you want in life? I mean, I mean, we, we, we have a tendency, most of us have a tendency to have goals. We have dreams. We have things that we desire, right? How hard do you fight for the things that you want in life? Do, do, you, do you maybe work overtime? Do you, do you take on an extra job? Maybe a side job? Maybe you just scrimp and save? Maybe you sacrifice some things in order to save up for, for what you're really after. How hard do you fight for the things you want out of this life? And I, and I know that many of us can answer this in multiple different ways. But I want to pose that question to you. I don't really necessarily need an answer other than I think you need to answer yourself. How hard are you willing to fight for the things you want in life? Physical things. Homes. Cars. I mean, I kind of like guns, and I like fishing stuff, and I like stuff. How hard are we willing to fight for those things? Now, let me ask you this. Do you fight with the same fervor, with the same strength for the things of God? Do you fight with the same strength for the things of God? Well, that, there's, a, there's a real validity to this. I want you to really catch the difference. I want you to compare how hard you fight for the things of this world, the things of this life has to offer us. And I want you to compare that for how hard we fight for the things of God, God's promise for us, God's promise in our life. We're going to go to James chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. I'm going to shift gears and go to the New Living Translation here. So James 4, verse 1 through 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Remember, we have our human nature fighting against our spiritual nature on a constant basis, so kind of a good versus evil battle going on here. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. You understand what this is saying? This is our worldly thing. How, how hard do we fight for the things we want in life? 
You know, how, how much envy do we have of others who have things we don't have? Maybe things that we desire. He goes on to say, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Oh, and then it gets deeper. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. See, that, that what he's saying is, is we don't have the things from God because we don't ask God for them. But then we don't receive the things we ask for of God simply because we have a wrong motive. Our motive is amiss, as one, one version says. Our motive is selfishness, is what this is all boiling up to. We want only what will give us pleasure. You adulterers, it says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of this world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Man, that's some powerful scripture. It's James chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. You really ought to study on that. You can look at it in several different versions and see how it says it different ways. Selfishness is one of our enemy's greatest weapons. We talked yesterday about enemy's tactics. Selfishness is one of those tactics. He uses our human nature as a distraction. He uses our selfish desires, our human nature, our human desire as a distraction. And he plays on our selfish nature on a constant basis. But when we see our buddy driving that new truck, or, or, or maybe I, I see a guy that's got a brand new bass boat. I've never owned anywhere near a new bass boat. Don't really care to have one. But I'm just saying, we see things that we desire that others have. I, I drive around and I look at all these houses. I look at all these trucks and I see one of these new Broncos sitting in somebody's driveway. I mean, I, 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 my first vehicle was a 1966 Ford Bronco, three-speed on the tree. If, if <laughs> Some of you ain't even going to know what that means. But I had a three-speed on the column, so it, it was a standard version. I had great big old tires on it, and I loved playing in the mud. I had the wheel wells were cut out and fender flares on it. Had a roll bar, all that good stuff. Loud exhaust. I enjoyed that truck. That was my first truck, so I drove to high school for the first time. High school hated me because I left piles of mud in the parking lot quite frequently. But these new ones, <laughs> I saw the other day a ticket price on a used new one. Now, granted, used meant it had 688 miles on it. So it was basically new. But it was considered a used vehicle. And the sticker price on that vehicle, $86,000. I about passed out. I'm thinking, who in their right mind would ever pay that kind of money for a vehicle, but then yet I see them in, in, in driveways. I, I see other things. I, I the, the, You know, my desire, that big old Ford F-250 with a power stroke diesel in it. I don't, I don't need one. I just want one. I love that truck. I spent years wanting a, a Cummins Dodge, Cummins diesel crew cab, four-wheel drive. I didn't need it. I just wanted it. God actually blessed me with one of those down the road. It was quite an adventure. It was quite a, an emotional moment when he give, when he blessed me with that truck. I keep praying he'll bless me with that Ford F-250 Power Stroke Diesel pretty soon, too, because I'm, I, I want one. I want one. It's, it's a want. It's not a need. But there's things in our selfishness that we see, and, and we have to understand how hard do we fight for these things versus how hard do we fight for the things of God. See, often I find myself, I, I try to help God. You know, I, I want to help him answer my prayers. I'm a fixer. I'm impatient. I want my answer now. I hate waiting. I'm not a good person to wait on anything. 
Well, but then there, but there's delays for reasons, and sometimes these reasons we don't even know. I, I consider Daniel, uh, in 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 the in Bible, Daniel had a had quite a story. Daniel prayed for 21 straight days, desperate for an answer. And when the angel of the Lord finally arrived, he tells Daniel, your prayer was answered the day you cried out, but I have been delayed getting it to you because of the fight that's going on in the heavens above you that's trying to stop me from getting here. See, we're at war. We're, we're at war spiritually. We talked about this yesterday in the enemy's tactics. We are at war. So, so sometimes we, we have to come to a place where we push through to get our answers. It's, it's what Daniel did. He pushed through. 21 days that we, we actually get a fast it's called the Daniel fast. If you're familiar with that, that comes from that very thing from that passage of scripture in Daniel, where he fasted for 21 days, he kept himself from the pleasurable foods. Now, when I see pleasurable foods, when Daniel's talking about pleasurable foods, I'm not exactly sure what he's talking about in his time frame, But when, when, when it talks about pleasurable foods to me, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is tacos. And it may be pizza. Daniel fasted for 21 days from tacos and pizza. For, from, for maybe a, a good old Coca-Cola. You know, for, for maybe a Dr. Pepper, for some of you fans of Dr. Pepper out there. But he fasted for 21 days from pleasurable things. He ate only fruits, nuts, healthy stuff. I'm not a big fan of health food. And most of you know that. 21 days. He pushed through. He, he, he made it a point to, to petition the Lord for 21 days till that answer finally gets here. Now, he did hear the story. Hey, man, God answered your prayer the day you gave it, but we've been in a battle getting it here. Well, that, that pushing through comes with an old acronym that's been around for a long time. If you use the word push, pray until something happens. That's what Daniel did. He prayed until something happened, until there was breakthrough. How, how, often do we, how often do we do this? This is not a common practice, I don't think, anymore. How often do we pray until something happens? See, many of us will throw up some prayer, but then we'll go on about our life, and hey, if, you know, if God doesn't answer it pretty soon, well, we'll just go take care of it ourselves. I am extremely guilty of this. I'm, I'm terrible about helping God. God doesn't need my help. Most times when I try to help God, I probably delay the good things because he doesn't need my help. I'm pretty sure of that. Here's, a, here's, a, here's something I want you to catch. In, in this time when, when, Daniel, when Daniel was pushing through for, for 21 days, there, there's an old phrase that comes way back from, from Solomon's time, grab hold of the horns of the altar. Get a hold of the horns of the altar. So there's two meanings in this. The first meaning of, of the word altar is symbolized in the cross of Christ. We, we reference that today. If you look at Hebrews 13.10, it kind of references that the altar is the cross of Christ. Because now we, we hear the phrase, you know, take everything to the foot of the cross. It, it's putting it before the Lord. That, that's our surrender point, you know. And then the second is that the altar symbolized fiery prayer. All the way back to Leviticus that altar was where they built the fire and they burnt the sacrifices of sin. That, that, it, it's that fiery prayer comes from the altar. One man said this, Altars were places where the divine and human worlds interacted. 
That's, that's pretty powerful. Altars were places where the divine and human worlds interacted. Altars were places of exchange, of communication, and influence. God responded actively to altar activity all throughout the Word. Simply put, when we use the term grab hold of the horns of the altar, that means that we go to God with all of our hearts and we cry out for mercy. We cry out for the mercy that is based on the result of what Jesus did when he died for us on the cross. We plead our need before God until we receive it. We pray until something happens. We push through. James 5.16 says this, that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And again, there's multiple versions you can read that in, but it basically says that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The heartfelt, persistent prayer of a man in right standing with God is able to accomplish much. And when made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Push through. How we in this day need to learn how to grab hold of that horns of the altar. How we need to get hold of the horns of the altar, not let go until we have our answer. Not let go until God answers us. Not let go until we see the outcome. Plead our case before a holy God with an expectant anticipation of a powerful outcome. We have got to learn how to pray again. We've got to learn how to seek the Lord. And it's got to come from a desire for God's will to be done all around us. You want to see God move? Get hold of the horns of the altar. You want to get through something? Get hold of the horns of the altar. Father, I ask you right now that you plant in our hearts this word. That God, we have an understanding that the only way we're going to find the outcomes that you desire is when we seek you with everything we have in us. When we push past our selfishness and we ask that your will be done, God. No longer our desire, but yours. Whatever it is that you desire us to have, whatever it is that you desire us to be, God, you, you have your way in our life. Make it so in Jesus' name. Man, I hope this has been something good for you. It has been good for me. <laughs> I enjoyed putting this message together. I enjoyed the study time of the Word of God and, and how it applies to my life. These are things that I have to I have to understand. I have to implement in my life before I can even bring them to you. I've got to eat this Word so that I can share it with you. May God have His way in our life. May we learn to push through in all areas of our life. Pray until something happens. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your support. Uh, thank you so much for financial support. We could use your, your financial support right now uh, to do the things that God is pulling, pulling us into, to do the things he's calling us to. I know he'll provide. He might use you to do so. Pray until something happens. Amen. God bless you. Ron and I are praying for you. We love you desperately. We, we pray over this, this listener base. We pray over those who are, are in contact with us and those who hear our words. And we cry out for God to move mountains in your life. And I believe he can. I believe he's doing something cool right now. I believe something's stirring in the heavenlies. There's so many things going on in this world around us right now that I could carry on for a while about what I feel God's about to do. You need to get yourself in a position and, and, and let him position you where you're going to be useful for this time. 
God, open our hearts to see. Open the eyes of our hearts to see what you want us to see right now. And God, prepare us for where it is that we're going to be needed in the coming days. And I say days. It's not years. It's days. In these coming days, God's going to do something huge. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you again real soon.